Thank you to our sponsor, Dallas Market Center, with more than 1.5 million square feet of residential design and lighting showrooms for retailers and designers. Top brands and home furnishings called Dallas home. Dallas Market Center is open daily as the largest and most active design center in the U.S. Visit for your next project or join us for upcoming events like the summer edition of Lightovation, the biggest trade event for residential lighting, running concurrent with Total Home and Gift Market, June 23rd through 29th. Important health and safety measures are in place. For more information, visit dallasmarketcenter.com. Hi everyone, welcome to Lighting the Way, a podcast from Furniture, Lighting, and Decor. I'm Amy McIntosh, Managing Editor of Furniture, Lighting, and Decor, and this is episode 22. This episode is a bit longer than usual. It's a recording of, of a panel we hosted earlier this week with the American Lighting Association. It was such a great discussion, we thought it would be perfect for a podcast episode. Um, in it, I spoke with a designer, a retailer, and a technology expert from the ALA about the changing home, um, how lighting technology is evolving to keep up with it, and how designers and retailers can keep their customers educated. Just a reminder, you can email us at lightingtheway at sgcmail.com with any questions, um, suggestions for future episodes, or if you'd like to share your expertise with our audience. And with that, here is our panel discussion. So welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Amy McIntosh, and I'm the Managing Editor of Furniture, Lighting, and Decor. Um, and today we're talking about training the customer to understand the importance of lighting in the home. Um, COVID has kind of impacted the way that we all interact with our homes. Um, so we wanted to have a discussion that kind of brings together design, retail, and technology experts to see how everyone is communicating with their clients and customers and how everyone can work together um, to kind of bring this information to their customers. Um, we'd like to thank the American Lighting Association for partnering with us on this discussion. And today we have um, on our panel, Sherry Lee of Rise and Design Home, David Nestor of Urban Lights in Denver, and Terry McGowan from the American Lighting Association. Um, just a note for all of our attendees, if you have any questions, um, please, please feel free to enter those in the question um, panel or in the chat, and we will get to those at the end of the discussion. And also this a recording of this conversation will be on Furniture Lighting and Decor's YouTube channel tomorrow. Um, so before we get into the discussion, I just would like to have everyone introduce yourselves, um, telling us about your background, your business, um, your kind of like your history in the industry. So um, Terry, would you like to go first? Sure. Uh, well, I've uh, been in the lighting business, lighting industry for quite some some years now. And uh, I started out with GE Lighting in Cleveland, which was their headquarters at the time. And so I knew all about light bulbs early on and helped to uh, work and invent some of those over the years. Uh, more recently, I'm a private consultant and I have been with the American Lighting Association as their director of engineering and technology now for almost 20 years. Uh, the idea was to technically lead the association and its members through this LED revolution. And now, of course, uh, entering the connected home uh, revolution, I suppose you could say too, but helping the members understand that technology so we can pass that information along in support of our 
manufacturers and showroom people and distributors and others. So it has been a very lively few years, as you well know, and uh, the excitement is not over yet. So the pandemic has put kind of a lid on things, but I'm so glad, Amy, that you organized this because as we open that lid, why we are going to find lighting has changed and so much is going on and I'm so pleased to be a part of it. Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, Sherry, can you tell us about your background in the industry and your company? I know you have a particular interest in lighting. So um, can you just tell us a little bit about where that focus came from and your business? Absolutely. Hello, everyone. My name is Sherry Lee. I'm a residential and sometime commercial in residential, mostly interior designer. Um, I'm based out of Boynton Beach, Florida. I began my career as a nursery and children's homes designer, which is really a fabulous little niche I found here in this area of South Florida. Um, in doing nurseries and children's rooms, people wanted me to do their whole homes. Um, I began doing so like about 17 years ago. So my own business for 16 years and just before COVID, probably a year before COVID, I formed a marketing team and rebranded my business to Rise in Design. And it's been hugely successful, of course. I'm sure timing was on my side on that one. And I think what really set my projects apart were the lighting, was the lighting part of it. Um, I begin with my consultations by telling my clients that we're going to work on the lighting first and foremost. And we're going to buy the largest lights that the area will support in their home. And really the most unique. And I try to always buy unique lighting uh, and, and buy lighting for one project that's completely different in the next. I try to never, I try to not uh, use the same lighting in each project, which also I don't want anyone to walk into my project and see that it, you know, that I've done it. I can't tell. Um, and that's, that's basically how I got my start. Great. Awesome. Um, so David, um, Urban Lights, your showroom in Denver, won a showroom of the year award in Dallas last week. Congratulations again on that. Um, can you just tell us about Urban Lights and also your background? Thanks for the invite, Amy, and thanks for, for, for the recognition. It was an honor to be with such incredibly esteemed showrooms in the country. And then to uh, get the recognition was really special. So thank you all for that. I started in, in the lighting fixture business in 1976. And at the time with that, that, uh, that showroom, our, our primary uh, customer, I want to say, was a different kind of lighting culture for me because it was the emphasis was with electrical contractors uh, builders and in particularly production builders. Uh, we, we, had, we had some bit of a position with, uh, with designers and retail, but it wasn't our emphasis. In 2001, we moved to our current facility that's a 20,000 square foot showroom in Denver, and we're just outside of Denver's de design district. And so it really kind of set us up for uh, getting ourselves more involved with the design community as well as retail. In 2005, I uh, made a decision to sell the, the business. And then fast forward 2010, the folks I sold it to didn't do a very good job of managing the business. And so it wasn't exactly the script I would have written, but I was delighted to get back into the business in 2010, rebranded as Urban Lights with a totally different look at what the kind of business we were doing. I decided that commercial lighting was not a, a business that I, I was as excited about getting back into. And so we actually developed more business with design, uh, design trade. We made a huge uh, effort to, to uh, attract retail business. 
And then we're doing more custom home building these days than we've done in the past. And as I look at them comparatively, uh, what we're doing today, I, I love it. Uh, I wouldn't trade those, uh, those, those first years in, in the business what, where, what we were doing, but I, I must say these past uh, 11 years have been uh, just, just amazing and love it, love it to death. And all the technologies make it all the more exciting. So I'm glad to be here. Great. So um, like I mentioned, we're here today to talk about how designers and retailers can educate the consumer about the role lighting plays in the home. Um, it's been about 15 months since COVID kind of changed life for all of us. Um, and I think for many of us, we're still kind of, you know, staying home most of the time, um, not leaving the house during the day. Um, and, you know, our houses may or may not be designed for that sort of um, activity. So, um, and even now, though things are starting to kind of open up, I think a lot of us are still at home, um, at least part-time working from home, you know, things have just changed and some things have changed permanently. Um, so just to get us started, Terry, can you explain how maybe this last 15 months during COVID has changed the way that people are interacting with their homes and how does lighting kind of play a role in those changes? Well, that's a good question to start because there has been no question that, that what, exactly what you say has indeed happened. Um, and I guess the biggest one is to turn the home more into an office and workspace than we've ever seen before. And rooms, kitchens, <laughs> closets, little nooks and crannies have been turned into offices. And of course, even with screens today, you still need some kind of office lighting uh, to balance the brightness and to ensure productivity on various tasks and so forth. And it doesn't take very long to figure out that the kitchen table is not a very good workspace for doing office work. Uh, whether it's spilling the coffee or uh, uh, dust, getting dusted with flour periodically, you know, all, all sorts of things can go wrong. And if there's children in the house, uh, don't even want to talk about that. Uh, so yes, lighting has changed. And what has been remarkable to me is how some of our manufacturers have put together what I would call reduced size products. Uh, certainly they are uh, more commercial products in terms of light distribution and adjustability than we've seen normally, but they also are a residential scale. So that these products and, and portable lamps are really among the leaders, uh, fit in the office and they fit into the space very nicely. And some of the features and the technical features of what I'll focus on here. Uh, I, I've long been a, a, a really supportive of the idea. You don't just dim a light to adjust it. What you need to do is have a light that also changes color and typically that color is in the form of chromaticity color appearance from warm to cool in tone and this is very good for office people or any really hard visual task because you can match daylight with it very easily you can adjust for older eyes if that's one of the concerns uh, and you can also compensate for brightness from light coming into the window or or indirect lighting in the room or any other, other way. So I think that the two things are a more directed approach toward getting work done in visual tasks with screens and two, the flexibility of adjusting that light so that this office really is still part of the home but can still function very well as a workspace. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so David, um, how has COVID affected your retail business 
I guess from a business perspective, but also from a consumer perspective, are you noticing a demand for different products? Um, kind of like Terry said, that might make some of these tasks easier. Um, what are your customers asking for and how are they shopping for their products? Sure, COVID's initial effects were, uh, were pretty dramatic, of course. We had to, uh, you know, we had to shut down the showroom. Uh, we, were, we weren't, and shockingly, we weren't considered an essential business while uh, the big box stores around us were. And so we were kind of engaged in, in that, that dialogue, I thought, felt a little surreal. Uh, why is it that I'm, I'm in the lighting business, but all of a sudden I'm in the health department business? And so it was, uh, it was kind of trying to put on a different kind of hat. That's clearly the half empty side. The half full side uh, was really the opportunity we, we, took, uh, we took advantage of by really sprucing up our internet site so that we could be doing more business online and getting the kind of components that we, that we felt like we needed to have ourselves doing a little bit more business online. And the result there was that we tripled our, um, our online business uh, over the COVID period of time. And from those learnings, we're continuing to explore platforms in various different ways of, uh, of expanding that business. Fast forward to when we open up again uh, was a slow build of all this pent up shopping energy that was out there among consumers to want to get back out into the showrooms, get back out into the public, do what we do best on the brick and mortar side, which is to, to be, to show scale, to show finishes, um, touchy feely all over. And it was culminated in our Memorial Day sale that happened just a couple of months ago where we, we um, set a record for the, the weekend, the number of people that uh, we did business with and the volume of product that they, they bought. And interestingly, um, I tagging on to what, what Terry said here just, just a little bit, uh, there's a good, nice friend in the manufacturing business who also has a lighting fixture showroom who about three, four years ago approached me and said, you know, LED was the best thing that ever happened to the lighting fixture showroom. He said, finally, people have something they're never going to be able to figure out. They're never going to be able to keep up with it. And they're going to rely on us to tell the story. And uh, of course, I would, I'd buy into that 100%. I mean, it's just been, uh, it really is fun. And we'll talk about that a little more as we get into uh, a little more of this conversation. And I think also tagging on to a little bit of what Terry indicated, size and proportion when it comes especially to recessed lighting is just, uh, it's just amazing where technology is going on that, even as recently as this past market in Dallas. Um, there was, there, there was some, some very, very fun stuff to say. See, on the other hand, no question, people are staying home more. Uh, they're either staying home because they have to, or they're now staying home because they want to and can. Um, those, those offices that at one point were, were temporary are now becoming new places of doing, doing business. And as a result of that, uh, the people are looking for everything from table lamps, floor lamps, new technologies in, in both of those, those areas. Um, we've had to, uh, we haven't had to, it, just because of demand, we have tripled the number of lamps uh, that we're showing out of the showroom, just so that people get an idea of what's available out there. And it's a, it's a great cash and carry walk out the front door with it, with opportunity on the retail sales side. So, um, uh, so, so that's been, been really good. So I would say, yeah, initially it was a bit of a setback, no question about it. Um, on the other side of it, 
my gosh, the, the pent up demand and the new opportunity to be lighting homes and offices and multi-purpose areas in homes um, has, has really presented some exciting opportunities for us. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. And so Sherry, on your side of the business, um, on the design side, how are your clients using their homes differently now? Um, I know they've talked a lot about home offices. I'm sure you're seeing a lot of that. Um, and what are they looking for in terms of lighting? Yeah, so um, unlike what David just said, where there was a setback, there was a mad dash, um, both from my clients and new clients to get their home offices. I mean, there was never a lull. People even came into my home. I had two monitors set up and we just worked side by side online. Um, everyone was doing everything they could, including foregoing the touch and feel um, end of design, uh, choosing our finishes and stuff and just ordering whatever we could find to get their home offices. And they wanted to look good on Zoom. <laughs> so there was, uh, there was a mad dash for wallpaper and lighting at the same time. And um, yeah, it, it, and, and, and contrary to what Terry said, which, which I think he said everything was LED going towards LED. I'm an incandescent girl. You can throw tomatoes at me if you want right now. But I love incandescent lighting still. I'm really sad to see it go other than the, the great things it does for this earth um, and for our wallets uh, in our energy bills. But I think incandescent lighting, there's something so soft and beautiful about it. And we are getting um, more uh, um, functionality with the, with the LED lighting and the more, um, I guess we're able to set the mood a little bit better now with, with that type of lighting. But I, I still feel like we're not quite there yet. So I'm trying to get um, my clients to do LED high hats, but also use incandescent lighting in terms of mood lighting. So if they're in their dining room and they need to clean or set the dining room table, sure, they can turn on the LED high hats, but we also have a beautiful fixture of the dining room table that might be incandescent or the right type of LED bulb that we use to set the tone for a nice intimate dinner. Um, same thing in the office space, right? So everybody's using their office for more hours during the day and that bright light can can get to some people if they don't have the ability to have natural light flowing into the room. So again, I use incandescent um, lighting that way. Um, so that's kind of how my business has changed a little bit is making people's homes um, more conducive to both work and relaxation and play. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, so when it comes to this technology, Terry, this is for you. Um, you know, I think there are specific products, but then there's also kind of like overarching themes, you know, energy efficiency, circadian rhythms, all things like that. So what are some of the technologies um, that can help make these residential environments a little bit more pleasant to be in for maybe some of the longer periods of time that um, we're spending in them now? Yeah, and, and the lighting industry is, is embracing this now faster and with more products than ever before. And I'm talking about light and human health. Uh, it, it is a subject that uh, I organized one of the first uh, technical seminars on light and human health with some of the researchers. I don't know, I've forgotten how many years ago now, but there was one line from the presentations that stuck with me and it's still true today. And that line was lighting is not just for vision anymore. So lighting became something else and that additional something is of course the, the wavelengths of energy that reaches your eyes that can affect human performance and well-being both physically and psychologically and we've been talking about it now for 20 years 
and we're getting close. The research is there, the numbers are there, and we're beginning to see how to incorporate that into residential lighting design. So that's been on my top five list of technologies to follow for the American Lighting Association. And we now have several members who are selling products that are light and health uh, oriented. The difference being now, it goes beyond the way we sort of roughed it out with color changing. We're thinking colors are suitable for the time of day, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's true, but there's something behind that. It's the spectrum of the light source, how much of what color is being emitted. And now we can put numbers on that because the first metrics are being agreed upon and put out there as also the products, the lighting products like say portable lamps are out there that can provide the uh, radiation of various wavelengths to satisfy those requirements. So I would put that at the top of anybody's list. Light and human health considerations as part of the lighting design is really something that we can now do well, better than ever, and also do with new products uh, and especially LEDs and even traditional sources. I, I still have to say, Sherry, that I am a lover of incandescent lighting and I have not given up on it entirely, but I'm also encouraged by the fact that we can provide with the best of the LEDs today an incandescent-like area of light that is very, very hard to distinguish between the real thing, but without the ultraviolet and without the UV that sometimes we don't want. So we're getting closer and it's not 100% perfect. So I fully support the idea that you have. And there are other ways to save energy and we certainly need to pay attention to those. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But I think this whole idea of light and health is the thing that is going to be a major driver of our industry now for several years to come. Okay. Um, and so, David, on the retail side um, with your customers, where are you noticing a lack of knowledge when it comes to some of these um, products, purchasing lighting for the home? Um, you know, just some things that they may not have realized when they came in to purchase a floor lamp or whatever. Um, and how do you provide that education in your store? Amy, I might respond to your, your very last comment first. We've got, a, we've got a couple of things that we've emphasized over the, over the past few months. Uh, number one, to educate our customers. Number one is events that we're doing out of the showroom. Um, we, we do an event out of the showroom four or five times a year occasionally, and we're doing pretty well if we can get, a, if we can get 25, 30 people you know, to come in and be a part of that, that event. And we'll bring in a specialized speaker or someone that speaks to some particular uh, subject. And uh, th this year we put out the invitation for one we're doing a little later in, uh, in July, and we've already had 60 people responding just to come and hear about some of the new technologies. The other for us, and I think it, 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 if you've got the opportunity and you're in a brick and mortar setting uh, where you can put together some sort of a demonstration area, whether it's what we call lighting labs or a studio of some sort that can simulate uh, you know, under cabinet lighting, really embrace what Sherry was talking about before. And that's, you know, we'd like to talk about as, as layered lighting, you know, the ambient lighting, the, the, the lighting over the dining room table, the accent lighting the, over various other pieces and, and task lighting. If we can somehow get those into our spaces, and in our case, it happens to be a light lab uh, uh, kind of, kind of uh, presentation, 
those are the best, again, if we can, that's what brick and mortar ought to be able to do, I think. And that's to take uh, an example and bring out a product and show the customer what it, what it, uh, what it does, which would, I guess, pay, take me back to your original question. What are the areas where we spend a lot of time educating? And I would say maybe in this order, uh, recess lighting is at the top of the list for me. Uh, and it's probably one of the areas for, for us to observe that that's, that's where the, the changes are going on most dramatically and quickest. Um, I would say task lighting, however, isn't far away from that, whether it's tape lighting under cabinet lighting, and then uh, finally, or accent lighting in that regard. And then finally, uh, I, would, I would throw out landscape lighting. Uh, that's a, that's a, another area for us where we find uh, people are, are not up to the latest uh, technologies. And so two or three of the standouts, no question, we've alluded to it before, that's the aperture or the, the opening uh, spaces that we've got there. To walk into a room where you can now light it up with a, with a recessed light that has just a half of an inch aperture and 1100 lumens worth of light is just, uh, is incredible. And when we talk about all the correlated color temperature technologies out there, uh, CCT, um, I was, I hadn't heard much about the technology around uh, the control of lumens on our fixtures. So we can literally control uh, the, the lumens as well as the color. Um, and so, so for me, those are those are two or three of the areas that I think we, uh, we we really like to emphasize when people are trying to sort out where the new technologies are going. Mm -hmm. And so, speaking of of education and um, new technologies, how do you keep your staff up to date on all of this? Because you know the information kind of has to trickle down, downward and starts with with you and your staff. So, how do you keep them uh, up to date on some of these technical concepts, like Terry was talking about? Sure, we have, we have two sessions a week um, that we've got a sales staff of uh, 22 salespeople and they were open seven days a week. So we have, to, we have to schedule these. It becomes a bit of a scheduling challenge, but we set aside two days a week and we'll bring in usually um, some, some representative factory representative that will come in and talk about their, their newest technologies. Uh, and that's, that's the easiest way for us to do it. Uh, American Lighting Association also helps us a, a great deal by providing us with uh, information and, uh, uh, and the latest technologies. Uh, great, uh, uh, th those are all great resources for us to take advantage of uh, when we can. So that's, that's how we do it in, in simply. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, and Sherry, so given your lighting background, um, what are some of the suggestions that you make to your design clients that they may not have considered before. Um, you know, it's one thing to kind of place pretty fixtures that go with the style of, of the home, but it's another to turn it on. And that puts, you know, that's another level of technicality, technicality that your clients may not have considered. So how do you kind of navigate that with your design clients? Gimmers. <laughs> Yes. I get dimmers in all my projects in every room for everything possible. Dimmers. Very good. Um, yes. Yay. <laughs> I was hoping somebody would say it. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's what we start up with. Like I started the Zoom conversation um, chat with was the largest lighting um, fixture that the room can support. Like the price is right without going over. Right. You want it to look right in the room. Um, I want it to have the effect we're trying to achieve. And um, 
dimmers are, are, are definitely something that my, um, my staff keeps on, keeps in the truck. So. Perfect. And um, also, and, and I do have to say that um, to simply educate my clients, because some fixtures, like I, I remember um, about eight months ago, I ordered some pendants from Restoration Hardware and they were quite expensive and they, they glowed the softest little glow. And my client, I think, was expecting them to light up the room. Um, you know, so educating your clients on if a client is used to incandescent lighting and a wattage of incandescent lighting, maybe a just quick education on giving them a little bit, a little chart that shows them what a, what a incandescent 25 watt is compared to a lumens compared to an LED, right? So that way they have some sense of what they're getting, what you're talking about. Maybe David has it in his showroom already. I don't know, but uh, that's kind of a, a good thing to teach uh, your, your, your clients and customers as well. Mm -hmm. May I add on to Sherry's uh, comment as well, Amy, just to, to, just to add that so much of the, the design-driven technology out there these days with lighting uh, it really calls us to take a look at what kind of supportive lighting can we order, can we, can we offer? to balance out the lack of lumens or the lack of light that comes from you, you kind of, you, you suggested a little bit of that, Sherry, when you talked about the piece from restoration hardware. Uh, it looks gorgeous, looks beautiful. Then you get it over the dining room table and there's no light. And so I think it's really, uh, it's really talking about how can we best support that. In new construction, not an issue, bit of a challenge when it comes to remodel. Uh, and I think that's, uh, th th those are, and the, and the product is out there. And that's the, that's the kind of product we want to be talking about. So those, those fixtures are beautiful, incandescent or otherwise, uh, but we need to think about how do we put a lighting system together? Dimmers right on, they're, they're the best. Uh, one of the things we're doing in ALA right now, in fact, it, it opened up at Light Ovation last week, uh, was this old idea, how to buy a light bulb. Because with LEDs, of course, the, the types are expanding tremendously. You just go into a hardware store or some kind of retailer for bulbs and you'll see acres almost of, of different light bulbs and cartons to read and information. And yeah, this is a tough, tough decision that consumers are not ready for. Uh, they, they get some lumen, the idea of lumens from time to time now, that's good, but we need to do much more. And so the ALA will uh, be adding more to it. We've got a new web page set up We've got a committee working on it. We had the first presentation at uh, Light Ovation, but we'll be doing a lot more in getting the word out to the consumer on behalf of our members so that they can make better decisions about buying a light bulb, the color of light, how to use it, how many lumens a room needs, for example, to provide good visibility and, and a, a good ambience. And of course, dimmers too, as to what they can do uh, with uh, changing that as the needs of the space change because of the people or because of the weather or for whatever reason. So this education thing is a big deal. And uh, I, I am very pleased to work with ALA on the educational support that they offer ALA members. So in terms of education, Terry, how would you, what advice would you give to retailers and designers um, on how to keep their staffs up to date. I mean, I'm sure ALA resources are definitely at the top of the list, but um, how, how can they kind of make sure that their staffs and themselves are um, up to date on all of these things so that they're well equipped to kind of pass on the latest information to their customers? 
Well, of course, that's ALA's, one of the big ALA's responsibilities as they defined it. And, and ALA works with the showrooms as well as distributors and manufacturers. But I think, and, and David can check me here, that every once in a while, a question will come up that goes beyond that kind of application and design information and needs to get into the technology of things. And I think with connected homes, we're going to see more of that. So we need to go beyond that. And I would offer the, the Illuminating Engineering Society as a reference. They have tremendous amounts of video programs now, for example, that you can see online that reach in everything from lighting research to how you apply these different technologies. And here's something that people don't know. The new metrics that are coming along to help us describe lighting. For example, there's a whole set of new color metrics that really will help us fine tune lighting to the spaces in better ways. And I expect more metrics that will help us understand it isn't just illumination in foot candles or lux that's important. It's brightness of the eye or the brightnesses that you see on the walls and surfaces. And we have to be able to describe that using terms that aren't exactly familiar. So if you need to dig deeper, we've got a great organization, the IES, that will help us do that. And to apply it, we've got a great organization, ALA, to help learn about it quickly and apply it in a residential situation. Great. Um, so all this new technology, um, what sort of advancements do you think will be seen in the future? Um, when it comes to residential lighting? I know you mentioned health and lighting. Um, how do you see some of that technology or other technologies um, kind of evolving as we move forward, Terry? Well, I, I think the connected home or the integrated home that's now being called are gonna be one of the most important developments that we'll see after LEDs. In other words, how do we hook all this stuff together to provide security, to provide convenience, to provide graceful living to provide the atmosphere we want in the home at the time we want it for the people that are involved. That's complicated. And electric utilities are interested in this whole thing too, because they're, they're seeing it as a way to save energy or manage electrical load. And there are environmental considerations as well. Here's one example that I ran into just a, a couple of weeks ago. There's a new report from the University of California on ceiling fans and what they contribute to homes. Well, ceiling fans are kind of, the, the it's residential lighting and the ceiling fan has been part of that for a long time. But did you know that the addition of a ceiling fan to an environment typically can save about 30% of the air conditioning energy that that home would ordinarily use? They had set up a, a study with about 100 different residential properties across the country, different climate zones and so forth. And what they found is if you install a ceiling fan, a connected thermostat and the HVA system, and these are all interconnected so they talk to each other so that when the temperature gets a little bit high for comfort, the ceiling fans come on first and then the air conditioning, you can reduce the number of hours the AC is on. And that's the big energy user. That's because the ceiling fan makes the room comfortable for people. And it is better than air conditioning because the comfort level, and they rated this for the people in the study, the comfort level went up from about 80% to 90% when there's air circulation. So not only do you get a benefit for people, you get a third less ener lower energy bill, you save energy, which is environmentally a good idea, 
and you integrate these things so they all work together. That I think is what we're going to be seeing a lot of, both visually and physically and mentally and philosophically in the years to come. We're gonna put these things together in ways we have never thought of. And I think that's what we have to be ready to do with the products that are coming along now. And uh, the kind of thing that David talked about, putting them together with people who know how to design them with controls. Great. Um, so just a reminder to the attendees, also you can ask, ask questions in the Q&A box. Um, we will get to those at the end. We do have one question in there now, but we will um, address that at the end. So the point, the, the purpose of this panel was just to kind of, you know, discuss how everyone can kind of work together to get this information out to your clients and your customers. Um, you know, you're the ones with the answers. They're the ones who need the answers. So, you know, you're all working together to kind of um, get this out. So I wanted to pose a question to all of you. What do you think a lighting retailers can do to better support their customers' new lighting needs? What can designers do to provide a more holistic approach in their homes? And how can the, the two groups kind of work together on this? Um, Sherry, would you like to start? Um, I'm sorry, I, I thought you were giving an overview and then what was your question about it? Oh, my, just what, what, how can designers and retailers kind of work together to um, better support their customers, their clients in providing kind of a more holistic view of lighting in the home as especially as they're spending more time there how can you kind of combine your two like levels areas of expertise and resources to better serve your customers um again i think i think what david said he's he works in with his clients and his store to educate you know his staff and his clients as customers as much as possible that's the time that's the kind of store i want to bring my customers to Right. My clients, I would love for them to get educated on lighting while we're looking at lighting, um, any type of lighting, if it's lamps or sconces or chandeliers, task lighting, any of it. Um, I would like, I feel like um, I'm in, at least locally, the stores that I shop in for lighting, I keep seeing the same lighting over and over again. I'd really like to see some, um, I don't know, just I feel like, uh, again, I'm seeing just the same lights over and over and I'd like to see something different out there. Um, um, as far as, I mean, anything else, I'm, on, I'm more on the aesthetic side of it than I am mm -hmm. the teaching side of it, right? So that's, a, that's all I have to contribute other than, other than I would love to have lighting stores educate my clients more in my area. Okay. And David, do you have um, any, any thoughts on that? I think, I think the umbrella here is regardless of which school you come from, it's, it's really our ability to be good listeners. Uh, to really, as we sit with our designers, as we sit with our customers and really understand the functionality of, of an area, what are we really trying to accomplish here? Get the goals lined out. And before we start selling product, before we start even looking at product, let's begin to understand how these areas are going to be used. And then let's take a look at the, the, the options. Um, and I think all of a sudden, I, I'm not sure why, because it's certainly not an old concept, but we have, we have kind of picked up on the mantra of good, better, best. Uh, let's talk about, uh, about the options that say we could do a good job with this kind of product. We could do a little better job with this, but let's at least let you be aware of. 
And that's kind of all falling under the subject of don't judge a book by its cover. You don't know your client until you really start working with your client uh, and really give them the, uh, the options. And so that's what's behind the events that we're, we're doing is to bring people into the showroom that we can, that we can really have some sort of interaction with. Um, and so for me, that's, that, that, that's the way in which we, we mostly try to, uh, try to try to do that. Okay. And Terry, what advice would you give designers and retailers who might be looking to kind of work together on, on providing um, some of these technologies for their customers? Yeah, I, I think that's very timely. And, and I agree with, with both Sherry and David about this, this education and education in lighting, of course, means experiencing lighting. David said that a while ago, and, and I, I want to emphasize that again. Uh, for retailers, particularly to have little cubicles or spaces that are set up or can be adapted to show the situation that the customer is thinking about, tabletops or walls or bathrooms, the kinds of things that you need to demonstrate in 3D and full color to really get the story across. Those are absolutely essential. You have to experience lighting to understand lighting. But I've got several things on my technology list that I watch very carefully along with our ALA engineering committee. And we've talked about a couple of this. Lighting Human Health is one, the connected and integrated home is the other. But there's another uh, something that is, is very important in the industry now. It's growing rapidly, and that's what's called additive manufacturing or 3D printing. In other words, if, if you go online, say, and just put in 3D printing, you'll see people making lampshades and lighting products galore of different shapes and sizes and colors, printing them. And that could be done on a retail level. If somebody comes in and says, I want something that matches this or looks like that. Somebody can go to the back room and print that within an hour or two or at most a day. Take a look at that technology. Does that technology, where does it fit? Where does it fit at, at the retail level, distributor level, the manufacturer level? I think you'll find it fits locally. And how better to do what Sherry has been talking about to customize that look, to customize that appearance than to make things manufactured for an installation in the colors and styles and textures. And you can, you can print everything these days, not just plastics, but glass and metal and wood kinds of products. And uh, that also has an environmental impact because uh, way, way down here on the list, I, I, and it's coming up <laughs> to be more important, our environmental considers, uh, considerations in lighting. What's the carbon content of a lighting fixture, for example? That's a question I think we'll be asking uh, and will be asked of us in the very near future. We better be ready with an answer. And uh, what about horticulture in the home? How, how can lighting systems in the home grow plants and vegetables and herbs for the table? We see that, we see it in hotels a lot. I see green walls, for example, when I travel. And, and there's a step to putting this in the home in some way. I don't know what it is aesthetically, but I do know that there's some benefits to it, not just in having those things, but also in the air quality, the appearance, the health of the individual. So people are interested in that stuff. And um, of course, uh, that goes into all of these environmental considerations that I've mentioned too. So look out for these things that aren't lighting, but can affect lighting. That's kind of my uh, little statement that, that I think we'll be seeing things that do that 
And I don't downplay environmental effects at all because I think the young generation that's coming now, the one that's getting ready to buy lighting products and decorate homes and, and really take a good look at it is more environmentally sensitive than any other generation we've had. And they'll be asking questions like that. And I think we have to be ready to answer them. And we've got good answers. We, are, we have saved more energy with lighting than any other service that is provided electrically in a home. We've got a great record and I think we can apply it and be proud of that. I'd like to do a, a quick tag on to that if I could, Terry. And I think on the, on the environmental side of what we do, one of the practical uh, pieces that I think we're, we're getting more and more call for is dark sky lighting. Uh, really part of, that, part of that whole Save Our Starry Skies movement out there. And when we talk about environmental, what, what, what could be more, more poignantly uh, difficult to handle than, than lighting pollution? You know, whether it's, it's just light pollution for the sake of light pollution or someone in their residence lighting up their neighbor's yard at night. I mean, there is, there is, there is, it makes such sense that we start thinking about dark sky lighting. Um, and, uh, and so that was my mantra of a question all through Lightovation this, this past weekend. What are you doing to respond to dark sky lighting? Uh, and so, no. I'm sorry, what was that, Terry? Uh, you're talking to a lifetime member of the International Dark Sky Association. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. And 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 so we are now devoting uh, an entire section of our showroom to just dark sky. And in some some in some ways, it's a response to homeowners associations and communities that are requiring it. Um, but mostly for those 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 people that are customers of ours that just care about it. And uh, it's, a, it's a cause I know we really appreciate getting behind. Great. Oh, I, th David, this is really good news. I, I, I wish I'd had a chance to talk with you uh, long before this meeting. I think we could have created some ideas on this, but I, I think you're right. And uh, we've had dark sky fixtures, uh, fixtures without uplight in ALA manufacturer showrooms for, for a long time. And some are required by law in certain communities, of course, too. But I think there will be more. And we're learning about those. There, there are lots of things that can be done with lighting fixtures that don't waste light by throwing it into the sky, that direct it to where it's wanted, that can be controlled properly, so that a new generation of dark sky lighting is, is about to be upon us. We need to know more about it. Uh, we had a couple questions come in while you were talking. Can you just briefly explain what dark sky lighting is for people in the audience who might not be aware? Yeah. Uh, Dark sky lighting is basically lighting that is controlled physically. So we don't throw light into the sky where it diffuses and makes the sky brighter so you can't see the stars. There's a sky show up there every night and it has been so for the whole history of human beings. And we love it. It's part of our, it's part of our being, it's part of our soul. But when you can't see the sky and the calculations are that 80% of the people in the United States cannot see the Milky Way or the stars in the sky because of urban light pollution. We know that there's too much light going up uncontrolled. And so we need to do our best to, when we put in outdoor lighting, to make sure it lights what is intended, is it necessary, and lights it properly by putting light on the surface or the space or the person that it is intended for rather than up into the sky. And color is important too. And here we go again. Low chromaticities, incandescent like light is warmer and better for the environment than higher chromaticities because of the, uh, 
problems that it causes not only in plants, but also in animals. And there are special types of lighting already defined for things like sea turtles. Uh, so they can find their way to the sea after they hatch. And uh, birds that fly into buildings at night because they get confused by bright lights shining into the sky. Whole cities uh, are dimmed down to save bird life now in many major cities, including Chicago, by the way. Chicago was one of the leaders of that. Toronto, another big one. Uh, but thousands and thousands of birds can die in a night because they run into buildings and are killed. So light under control can prevent that. And uh, I think we'll find out more and more things that we, that we need to do. But certainly control of the spectrum, control of the intensity, control of the shielding, those kinds of controls for outdoor lighting are absolutely essentials these days for any new systems. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm just curious, Sherry, with your clients, um, you know, Terry has been talking about, you know, the environmental impacts, the um, some of the smart and connected home products, things like that. Are you seeing a demand for some of these technologies from your clients? Are they asking for some of these more technologically advanced systems in their homes or are they showing, you know, a concern for the environment, um, energy efficiency, things like that? Are they asking for these things? Oh, you're muted. Um, I, yes, some, the answer to your question, yes. Some of my clients are asking and some of them are environmentally aware. And, um, you know, we incorporate what's called a biophilic design, which is what Terry and David have both uh, discussed, which is, you know, the lighting that makes you feel good, right? And bringing uh, elements from outside, inside, feeling good inside. Um, and yes, they are. I, I don't think it's not the majority of my clients though. You know, uh, there's a lot of home automation going on with new builds here, um, new construction. But uh, as we mentioned before, it gets a little more difficult when you're remodeling. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so finally, before we get to the questions, we have a couple of questions from the audience. And again, if you have any more, feel free to put them in. We have about 10 minutes left. Um, I would just like each of you to kind of explain, you know, consumers who might be kind of on the fence about some of these new technologies, whether it's automation, energy efficiency, things like that, what would you say to, how would you explain to them that it's worth the long-term investment of, of um, you know, installing an automated system or, you know, being more environmentally conscious? What are the benefits that you would um, kind of give to the consumer for why they should consider something like this? David, would you like to go first? Sure. Well, I, I think the my my first reaction to that is 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 talking just a, a little bit about lighting in general. Lighting isn't uh, isn't something we change out every year. Uh, we don't we don't change out lighting like we change out our shoes or our clothing or our, it has to last a long time. So we're, we like to tell our customers and our clients the choices that you're making today. These are going to be this is going to be something you live with for a long time. And think about that in terms of what sort of uh, what sort of statement do you want to put together in your in your lighting design? What sort of ambiance do you want to create? Um, I think we realize. I mean, for me, lighting is the is the great influencer. It takes a space and either warms it up, it makes it interesting, it makes it a, a fun place to be, and you're not quite sure why. Um, but we know why, because you had a really good lighting design in there and you have lots of things that, that you can do differently, whether it's controlling it by dimmers or light sources or whatever. So for me, 
uh, I think one of one of our stories as we're as we're working with uh, with clients is to say this this is not a decision you're likely going to alter in the next year. This is something you're going to live with. We're talking about lifestyle thing here, and I I think all of that is just a uh, it's always a good precursor to any sort of effort to sit down and sell lighting to anyone. At least that's what comes to mind first of all for me, Amy. Mm -hmm. Sherry, how would you um, kind of encourage? your clients to make this kind of investment in, in their long-term lighting technology? I mean, obviously money saving is, is very important, saving the environment. And like I said, the way it makes you feel, um, some of this lighting is much better for your health. It's been proven. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's, I think on an educational, I'm, I'm just gonna take a little turn here to educate builders, um, and electricians on this very subject. So they're placing the right type of lighting, enough of the certain, uh, a certain type of lighting um, in their, when they're building a home is important. Um, clients get me involved with the builder and I see where they're placing lights and it's either too many or not enough or not in the right area. So it'd be great if we could get some builders and electricians to be involved um, in discussions like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, and Terry, um, to you, what, how, how would you recommend making the case to consumers to, to invest in some of these technologies? Well, uh, my feeling is that in the connected home, lighting always comes first because one, it is easy to do, it's easy to implement, it is inexpensive compared to some of the other things like say an air conditioning system. And it gives you instant feedback. In other words, when, when you pull in the driveway and press the button on your cell phone and the lights come on inside the house and the, uh, the landscape lighting comes on, that's what it's all about. It's convenience, it's appearance, it's uh, safety. It's all of those things together. And it happens instantly. None of these other things do that. So lighting is right there. Lighting is the key to this, this integrated home. It's because it's so visual. And so I think we have a responsibility as an industry, of course, to make that point and to make sure that consumers really experience good connected products and services uh, by the lighting that we sell. So that, that, that's part of the whole deal. Uh, the energy savings and so forth will come along, the convenience uh, and, and the other applications that we're finding will come along, but they'll be integrated with lighting. So I think that's gotta be a keystone in our thinking ahead. And, I like what David said earlier, you know, he, he's hooked up with an organization so they can provide connected lighting services and good lighting products and good lighting go with it. I think that's a, a model for how this industry could work in the future to make this happen in, in a very positive way. And uh, ALA is very interested in that. Uh, we, we gave our members uh, something called the CABA report on the integrated home last year. And that was a major survey of how this market is expected to develop, who the players are, how it will happen, a lot of things that I never would even think of trying to ask questions about. It's all there as a member service. And I think as we understand that market better, we'll get a better handle on how fast it's going to happen, what products will be involved, and what we should be doing to enhance that acceptance and understanding and application of what this uh, interconnected home product market's going to be about. 
Great. Well, we are out of time. Um, that really put us right up to the, the time limit. So thank you all again for joining us. Um, I'd like to thank the American Lighting Association for their partnership on this panel. Um, and thanks again to our panel of experts, David, Terry, and Sherry. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Our thank pleasure, you. Amy. Thank you. Thank you. Join it.